0: To worship at Hollywood United Methodist Church. For those of you in the congregation, I hope you have gotten your little uh, communion cup, your, your communion on the go cup, if you will, to be, ha- to be ready uh, when it's time for communion at home. I hope that you have a cracker and juice ready. There is a QR code for our bulletin for those of you in the congregation, so you can access this now. The only time I'll ask you to take out your cell phone, but that's now. And now let us stand and sing together our opening hymns.
1: Hello, good morning, everyone. April Olt here, the coordinator of Children's Ministries. And uh, just as a reminder, you see these backpacks up here that Mr. Kevin talked about last week. And all of these will be donated to LAUSD. So we are still accepting the backpacks. Please bring them up. And once we are done here with our children's moments, we invite parents, guardians, whoever you came with to meet us over in the chapel, and we'll go ahead and check you in, and we'll have our own communion and service over there. So Mr. Kevin introduced last week that we're talking about the fruits of the spirit and brought in all different kinds of fruit, and we were talking last week about love, and this week is about joy. (sighs) Ah. And, and sometimes I need to take a bre- deep breath as, a, as an adult sometimes about that one. Um, and then what I'd love from assistant from all of you out here is if you could shout out. So the root of the word enjoy is to rejoice, to give joy. So I would love to hear just everyone shout out just for yourselves and to say it out loud. Something that you enjoy that brings you joy. So I'm going to say one, two, three. Shout it out. <laughs> Oh, that was wonderful. Um, What brings me joy, which is why I think I'm in the right place, is being around young people. And Anna Lee, when I was practicing with her this week, said what brings her joy is Reverend Kathy. Yeah. Uh, So she's uh, sitting right there. And I will say being a part of her life uh, brings me joy. And I had this aha moment, because I don't know about you, um, every time I hear joy, I think about the song that I used to do at Vacation Bible School when I was a little. So maybe if you all can help me out, maybe I'm the only one that still remembers this. If I say, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Yeah. Oh good, I'm not the only one. I was kind of afraid I wouldn't hear the where. <laughs> And I started thinking about that and I guess a lot of times I think that you know because we have one another because we have the Holy Spirit and Jesus in our heart that we're supposed to be joyful all the time and I think that's really hard and I think to what we're teaching our young people is that all emotions and feelings are valid and to feel your feelings right now and I think sometimes we can use that message and and the song says down in our hearts which means sometimes it's not up here sometimes it's deep down and we have to think about those things and those people and those places uh, that bring us joy because the rest of it goes and i'm so happy i've got the love of jesus in my heart and we have that we have that in the young people here we have that with one another we have that in what you shared uh, and that's what we're going to be looking at today as we feel blessed to be together with one another. And what I'm really looking forward with is I get to know all of you in in my ministry here at Hollywood United Methodist. So before we go off, I'd love to say, uh, please join me in prayer dearest lord thank you for the joy that i find every day that i'm in this place with these young people and have the opportunity to be a part of the spiritual growth of the church and the life here and help us to all find that thing that brings us joy to carry us through those times when when emotions are are in a different place and know that we have you we have your family and we have this community and all god's children said amen all right We're going right back through the back.
0: So as our children go forth this day, I invite you now to stand in your place. We're going to pass the peace in a different kind of way. Don't move from your seat, but go ahead and stand up. And we're gonna pass the peace of Christ by waving to someone near you. So just turn around and wave.
2: Won't you join me as we prepare for a time of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we gather today on this, your World Communion Sunday, on our second Sunday of homecoming, to worship you, to sing your name, to pray, and to open ourselves to the presence of your spirit and its movement in our lives. We are so grateful for so many things, to be with loved ones and old friends who we haven't seen for some time, to meet new people and new faces who have found their way here this morning to receive the offerings of our choir and all the volunteers who make our worship special, we offer gratitude to you. And on this most precious of Sunday, this World Communion Sunday, we pray for the church around the world. From Los Angeles to Iowa, where I'm from, from Africa, Mexico, Eastern Europe, China, all the places where folks are gathered today in your name in beautiful temples and in grassy fields, taking communion served in gilded cups or earthenware or little plastic individual servings. We break bread together knowing that we are one church and that your grace is far and wide, healing and liberating. And dear God, we pray this morning for the liberation of our church. We pray that it will continue to grow into the calling that you have placed upon us to build the beloved community. We pray for the liberation of all people who would know your name, and we pray for a church that hasn't always been as open and welcoming as it should around the world. We pray for a global Christian church that embraces and lifts up the specialness of all people, that welcomes all people through its doors, that openly loves and receives LGBTQ people, that makes a space for every single person who wishes to know your name, not only in the pew, but in the life of the church. We pray that you will continue to inspire us here at Hollywood United Methodist Church to um, blow that door open, to do the hard work of building the liberating and freeing church, to ourselves be filled with your spirit and your grace, and to be a church that seeks justice, because we know that the liberation that comes from your grace is not only for the church but for our entire community. And so we pray for freedom from violence. We pray for justice for those who are receiving injustice. This morning we pray for our neighbors and our cousins in Haiti who are seeking peace and all those refugees who have found their way to our southern borders and are seeking a place to call home. May you move the hearts and minds of those who are in political power in our nation to understand that those at the border are not strangers, but our brothers and sisters, and they deserve freedom and peace and safety. We cry out against the violence that they have received instead. And we pray that as a church and a force in the world, we will cry out against this injustice in all places. Closer to home, we pray for justice for our houseless neighbors. We pray for action and solutions from our elected leadership. and We also pray that you move in our own hearts to show our own way so that we know what to do around a question that is so big and seems so beyond our grasp. But we know that there's nothing too big if we work with you, that we can achieve real change. We pray for the end of police violence against black and brown people in our community. We pray for real change so that the community that we are building is one where all people can live in freedom and grace and know love. This morning, we pray for all those in our community, our worshiping community who have known illness, loss, or uncertainty. We know many are still struggling with employment and financial concern. We pray for all people who are facing real difficulties with the end of the eviction moratorium. May they never be far from our hearts. This morning we continue to pray for our Bishop Swenson on the loss of Jeff and for the friends and loved ones of Patrick Murray as we mourn their losses. We also pray for Lupe Ortega on the loss of her brother Jaime and for Ron Dotson. We Thank God for the continued healing of Richard Settle who's here with us today in church and so many others who are on their path to wellness. And I invite you now to take a moment of silent prayer apart from the hurry and bustle of Hollywood, to lift up what is on your heart to God silently. All knowing God, we offer these to you, these silent prayers that are in our hearts and minds that remain unsaid but that you know. Because you walk with us in the most difficult of moments. You never leave our side. You bring us all the things that we need and we pray that you will make it possible for us to know those tools and those resources and just to reach out to you and to those around us in moments of need. We are so grateful for all of this. We offer ourselves into your service and into your call. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: And good morning. Oh, come on. There's more people than that. Good morning. morning. All right. Good. Well, we're glad you've joined us for worship on this beautiful uh, first Sunday of October. There are a few announcements I do want to share with you. Uh, the first of which is that next Saturday at 11 a.m., we will be having the memorial service for our beloved Jeff Swinson, the husband of Bishop Mary Ann Swenson. Um, we can use some volunteers setting up the reception. The woman who happens to be the lay leader at Burbank First, uh, UMC is doing is catering the reception, but she could use some hands. So if you can help, please email me. Don't tell me today, because I won't remember, but just send me an email. And uh, we could use some help with that, or and afterwards too with just directing people from the congregation here into the gymnasium following that service. Uh, and then, on the tenth of October, which is next Sunday, we will be having uh, the first of our three session new member class for those of you who are interested in joining the church. Now, if you're online and you want to join the church, but you're not in proximity or simply don't feel comfortable uh, in coming to worship yet, uh, we're going to be offering a Zoom option as well. So we have to figure that out yet. But So if we, if we have a critical mass of folks who want to do that, we will offer that as well. And if you can't make all three of the sessions, we'll do a Zoom makeup at some point. So that's beginning next Sunday right after church up in Grant Hall, which is uh, in the back uh, northwest corner of the campus. Finally, all that we do here is made possible by you, by your prayers, your presence, physically and online, uh, your service, your witness, and your financial gifts. It's been a long 18 and 19 months for all of us, and financially we have taken a hit in many, many ways, understandably. But we rely on you to give as generously as the Spirit indicates so that we can not just maintain our ministries here, but we can increase them like we've increased them online uh, because we, God has called us here to serve our community in Hollywood, and in Toluca Lake.
3: Come
4: reading from the book of mark john said to him teacher we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us but jesus said do not stop him for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me whoever is not against us is for us For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any one of you put a stumbling block before one of of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great milestone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Hear what the Spirit of God is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
5: Hi, I'm Diana Butler Bass, and I'm really excited that Harmony to Luca Lake and Hollywood United Methodist Church are going to spend time this fall studying my new book, Freeing Jesus. Freeing Jesus was a really great book to write during the pandemic. It gave me time to think back about my own journey as a Christian and how I have experienced Jesus in a number of different ways as friend, teacher, savior. Lord way and presence. The book is theological and it's also memoir but mostly it invites you to think about your own story with Jesus over time and I hope that as you enter into it that you will discover not only Jesus but your own heart and that you might hear where God is calling you next. I hope you'll have a great time together, and I hope that my words will resonate with you, take you to places you didn't imagine, and challenge you to see Jesus in new ways.
0: We're grateful to Diana for our intro into this new fall sermon series entitled Freeing Jesus. And the title comes from an experience that Diana had at the Washington National Cathedral one day where she was in that massive, beautiful structure in one of the side chapels. And she was looking up at a triptych of Jesus. And on her knees, she heard Jesus say to her, get me out of here. And she, shares, she didn't share that for a very long time because, I mean, who wants to hear Jesus saying, get me out of the church, right? But it led her to ponder what it means to free Jesus from the baggage that we, the institutional church and Christians of all types have placed on Jesus. A baggage that seeks to exclude rather than to welcome. So our question for us is how can we free Jesus in our lives? How can we gain a renewed sense of who Jesus is and his power in our life today? And that's going to be our focus uh, for this month. Now, Last week we began this series by contemplating what, it, what for many of us is the first description we have of Jesus, and that's a friend. Today's focus is likely the second description we experience of Jesus, that of teacher. I think many of us grew up going to Sunday school or church school with the implicit idea that Jesus has something to teach us. And we go to church to learn about Jesus and how Jesus wants us to live and love God and each other and the world. And as we talked about at our Freeing Jesus chat on Wednesday night, which is on Zoom at 6 o'clock, join us. It's a lot of fun. Uh, those first teachers of ours make a lasting difference on it, or an impact on us. Now, of the 90 or so times Jesus is addressed directly in the New Testament, 60 or two-thirds of them refer to him as teacher, rabbi, great one, or master in the Old English sense of schoolmaster. And Diana reminds us that in the Gospels, the preponderance of action that occurs is Jesus' teaching. He teaches at the temple. He teaches on a hillside, by a lake, in a field, at a campfire, at a dinner table, at a wedding even, and in the center of the city. He teaches individuals, his disciples, large crowds, small groups, his friends, and his foes alike. The only biblical story we have of Jesus' childhood is one in which he is teaching. When he was only 12, his parents took him to Jerusalem and they promptly lost him. And they searched for him and finally found him in the temple, as Luke records. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, causing these learned ones to be amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, we don't hear anything else about him until more than a decade later, when his cousin John baptizes him in the River Jordan. And immediately after that, he walked into a local synagogue and began to teach. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Words from the prophet Isaiah. Well, the people in the synagogue were so upset at him that they ran him out of town. Diana reminds us that after this unhappy debut, Jesus was forced into the ultimate profession as an itinerant rabbi. Jesus was a born teacher, she says, and a born again one. And he was still teaching on the night before he was arrested, and even while being tortured by the Romans. He lived and he died a teacher. Now in today's gospel lesson, we hear two different teachings from Jesus. One is on the importance of drawing the circle wide, which is always part of our message here. And the other, which is our focus today, about the expectations that Jesus had of his disciples. Jesus describes his followers as the salt of the earth. We know this passage better from Matthew's version in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. In using the image of salt, Jesus was teaching by using a familiar image that the people in the crowd could understand and readily apply to their lives. Now, Mark uses the same imagery in today's lesson from the ninth chapter of Mark. He writes, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Well, the renowned biblical scholar William Barclay interprets Jesus' words like this. When a thing loses its essential quality and fails to perform its essential duty, it's fit for nothing but to be thrown away. In other words, Jesus is teaching us that our effectiveness in building the kingdom of God, in building the beloved community, is directly proportional to our saltiness. If we understand that all of our actions have the potential to teach, have the potential to flavor, to change, to enhance life for other people, way beyond our initial intentions, then we understand what it means to be the salt of the earth. But if we don't, if we allow ourselves to be acclimated to the culture that surrounds us and we decide to live for ourselves instead of for God and for others, then the world, society, will co-opt us and dilute us, much like water dilutes salt and causes it to lose its flavor. And by definition, then, all of our actions will simply be foolish. Now, a few years ago, actually, probably a lot longer than that, there was a Mensa convention uh, in Northern California, and it was, uh, you know, Mensa is that organization for, for brainiacs that I could never get into. But several of the members were having lunch at a local cafe. And they noticed their salt shaker and their pepper shaker had, were reversed. So the caps were reversed. So the salt shaker contained pepper and the pepper shaker was full of salt. And so they began to formulate and postulate how they could switch the salt into the salt shaker and the pepper into the pepper shaker using only the instruments they had on the table. So, because, you know, it was only a job for the best minds possible. They debated, they presented ideas, and they came up with a brilliant solution containing a, involving a napkin, a straw, and an empty saucer. And they called their server to their table because they wanted to dazzle her with their ideas and their solutions. And they said, excuse me, but we can't help but notice that the pepper shaker has salt and the salt shaker has pepper. Oh, said the server when they finally got her attention. Sorry about that. And she took the two shakers and simply unscrewed the caps and screwed them on the right one. And then she said, will that be one check or separate checks? The moral of the story is that we are all teachers, all of us, in one way or another. Jesus taught in a variety of ways. He used common illustrations, such as salt, such as sheep and goats, which we'll hear about next week from Pastor Bridie. Those were... used in his direct instructions. He used direct instructions, such as how to pray, and he named the greatest commandment of all, to love God and love each other. He used hyperbole. If your hand or your foot or your eye causes you to sin, cut it off, pluck it out. He used hyperbole to punctuate his seriousness, that to follow him meant that your life needed to change. Period. End of discussion. But What seemed to be Jesus' favorite way of teaching was through parables. Diana writes that parables are not rules or commands or doctrine. Instead, they are open-ended tales that invite us to struggle with their meaning, to wonder, to see the world from unexpected angles. The great New Testament professor Amy Jill Levine says that they are mysterious in that parables challenge us to look into the hidden aspects of our own values, of our own lives. Parables are fiction, as Levine calls them, short stories by Jesus. And then Bass goes on to compare biblical parables to many mysteries, like the Nancy Drew books that she read as a child. But unlike Nancy Drew, whose stories always had a clear villain and a clear resolution with justice always prevailing, The parables of Jesus don't give us such neat endings. Now, there are those who think they do, that we will always come to the same conclusion every time we read them, but they don't. Instead, they invite us to wrestle with the stories again and again because at different points in our lives, they are going to have different meanings for us. And she gives us the example of the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in the temple. We remember this, the Pharisee thanking God that he's not like the tax collector over there who's simply asked God for forgiveness. No, he's just grandstanding. Now, usually we adults will read that parable and say, oh, the Pharisee's flawed and God's grace is bestowed upon the one who confessed his sin. Perfectly good and logical explanation. But once, Diana says, when she told that story as part of a sermon, she asked the congregation, who does God love in this story? A little boy piped up and said, God loves both of them. And she responded, you just preached my entire sermon. Now the concept of Jesus as teacher, as moral teacher, has been a source of debate between conservative and liberal Protestants for nearly a hundred years. The great C.S. Lewis, whom I love to quote on many things, thought there were only three options when it came to Jesus. By definition, he was Lord, liar, Or lunatic. Moral teacher didn't make the list. A friend of Diana's told her a slightly different version. She said the problem with Jesus's teacher is not that it's wrong, it's that it's shallow. Now I know lots of teachers and shallow would never be a word I would use to describe them. Amen? The best of teachers equip their students to think critically to question, to engage in praxis, to challenge themselves to be the best they can be. And that's what all those teachers whom we thought of earlier in the sermon did for us. That's what Jesus' teacher does as well. The great progressive theologian Marcus Borg wrote in his book, Jesus, A New Vision, that Jesus was a sage, a teacher of wisdom Regularly addressed as teacher during his lifetime by followers, opponents, and interested inquirers alike, he's been hailed by subsequent generations of Christians as more than a teacher, as indeed he was. Nevertheless, he was not less than a teacher. And Borg goes on, Jesus was not primarily a teacher of either correct beliefs or right morals. Instead, he was a teacher of a way, of a path specifically a way of transformation. We'll be talking about Jesus' way later this month, but for now, let us say that to follow the teachings of Jesus leads us into transformation, transformed lives, transformed communities, a transformed world. In just a moment, we'll be gathering around the table. For now, virtually or in our seats following our COVID protocols that to me are very theologically challenging, but are keeping us safe. We will gather around the virtual table that Jesus invites all of us to, and by all, we mean all. No one is ever excluded from God's table. Amen. No one who heals another in Jesus' name, even if they don't belong to our tribe, even if they don't call themselves Methodist, is excluded we are all invited to share in the joyful feast of Christ. And in so doing, we offer grace to those who have hurt us, forgiveness to those who have wronged us, and hope to those who need it the most. In other words, we're teaching each other how to love as Jesus loved. It doesn't get any better than that, except to share one last story from Diana's book. It's a story about how she was attending Foundry UMC in Washington, D.C., which I call the Hollywood UMC of D.C. Um, uh, Pastor Ginger um, Cerelli-Gaines is offering the children's sermon at this particular service, and she's asking the children, which was before COVID, you know, where are the candles, where's the white bowl, and so on. And then she asked the question, where's God? Well, the children looked all around, and they were slightly bewildered, And then a small boy in a plaid shirt, who's about three years old, said, I know, I know. And Ginger said, "Uh, you do? Well, where? And he said, I'm gonna go get God. And he he jumps up from the stairs, which are a lot like ours, and he runs up the center aisle. Now, his father got up and followed him, A, because he's three, and B, because Foundry sits on 16th Street, which is a very, very busy street that ends at the White House. But Dad didn't need to worry. The little boy, he stopped about halfway up, and he was pulling then on the hand of a very kind-looking woman in her 60s or 70s. Here she, here she is. Here's God. She's here. And Pastor Ginger said, you mean Miss Jean? There she is. God. God. You see, Miss Jean was his Sunday school teacher. And by this point, there wasn't a dry eye in the congregation. So to ponder this week, whether we're a Sunday school teacher, a cafe server, or just someone wrestling with the teachings of Jesus, perhaps in our lives, remember that all of our actions have the potential to flavor and to change and to enhance life for others, because when we do, then we're truly claiming Jesus as teacher and being teachers ourselves by being the salt of the earth. Amen. Usher, Suzanne Dodd, is going to walk down the center aisle and if anyone needs a communion to go cup uh, raise your hand and she will pass one over to you. And I'm just going to let you know that the very top of it, it's a, it's a film and on the film that little white dot that's in the center, oh and this is fun to do, is your, is your is the bread. That is the bread. And then you can open the purple part, and that is the juice. At the proper time when Pastor Bridie gives that instruction, please take the bread and then receive the juice.
2: No cheating. you got to (laughs) wait. Good morning, everyone. Once again, welcome home to Hollywood United Methodist Church on this glorious World Communion Sunday. As Pastor Kathy said in her sermon, the communion table in our church is open to all. Anyone who wishes and seeks what the bread and cup bring are welcome. You don't have to be Methodist. You don't have to be part of this church. You didn't have to walk through those church uh, doors today feeling pristine and, and free. In fact, you can bring everything that you're carrying with you to the table of the Lord, and God will receive it. And we are blessed to be in this community together, taking this meal together as Jesus did with his disciples. On uh, one of the last nights of his life, as the end of his ministry was becoming closer and clearer, Jesus gathered his disciples, his most precious around him for a meal. He knew that soon they would have to carry on without him, that they would have to bring the message of love and inclusivity and justice that he had been preaching of a new world to those who would receive it. And he also knew that much like us, they were nervous and scared and unsure. So he gathered them at this Passover meal and he took the bread that was there and he offered it to each of them saying, take this bread. After he broke it (laughs) and blessed it, of course. Take this bread and every time you do, remember that it is my body broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And when all had had the chance to eat the bread, he poured out the wine and he offered thanks for it. And he offered the cup to each in turn, to each disciple, and he said, take, drink, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for everyone for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you will in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts, We offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us, and we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Dear God, pour out your Holy Spirit on those of us gathered here and on your bread and your cup. Let it be for us what it was to them, the living body and blood of Christ, May it nourish us and fill us and guide us and give us the strength to live in this world every day and to be your teachers and your people in the world, bringing your spirit and beloved community to all. Dear God, we are so grateful to you for all that you bring into our lives, all the love, all the joy, even the struggle. We know that you walk beside us and that you never leave us and that through your son, Jesus Christ, we have known eternal life, grace, forgiveness, and new possibility. And it's his, in his name that we pray now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The banquet has been served, the table is set and blessed, and we are all here for the feast. I invite you now to pull back the foil on your communion cup (laughs) and to take that beautiful offering. And as you do it, remember that you are not alone, that around the world people are sharing in this beautiful meal.
0: We do need volunteers for next Saturday morning. If you can help, please do email me and let me know. And I want to give a shout out and a thanks to the greatest usher team any church has ever had. I'm telling you, can we just give them a round of applause? I am... For for 19 months, we have kind of just figured it out. And I'm just saying, I'm just so glad. It's so wonderful to have you all here. So we're grateful for that. Go now knowing that Jesus is our beloved teacher, that all that we do can indeed teach others who we are and who we follow. So go forth this week being a teacher for others. Go forth now to, in peace to love and serve the world. Amen.